Hello, welcome to Solomon's Temple. I wanted to bring it into a relatively controversial space, physician-assisted suicide. Now, I think a lot of the attitude with physicians allowing allowing people to die versus the attitude of you are killing them, you are committing a type of killing when you do this, but there's obviously this dichotomy, it seems, being drawn between you're killing them and no, I'm allowing them to die. It's sort of suicidal rather than a physician murder. It almost takes like the uh, the quality of no, you are, mor you are morally obligated not to murder, obviously. So you are also morally obligated to not let people kill themselves. Rather than enable that killing, you are basically have the power to control whether or not they live or die. And if you choose the consequence for them, you're basically killing them. So this is kind of the thing to work out. There's different kinds. There's voluntary active, non-voluntary active, voluntary passive, and non-voluntary passive euthanasia. But there's many different types of circumstances that sustain life for people in which a healthcare physician or a healthcare professional of some type may have the power over making a decision on behalf of the patient or whether or not the doctor has a decision or a stake in the game in order to abide by the wishes of the patient, having the patient be on board with their own demise. There are different elements that go into the, the bleak nature or the impending doom that's facing the patient, depending on the nature of their illness. And of course, circumstances go out to respiration, like with ALS, not being able to breathe. People being a do not resuscitate, a decisive do not resuscitate. There's kidney dialysis, certain surgeries, antibiotics, and being kept alive by artificial nutrition and means of hydration. And of course, ordinary people have the decision-making capacity and legal right to refuse sorts of medical treatment that either have a direct power over the outcome of their health condition. If they choose not, they die. If they choose to, they have a chance of living. And they have a power to choose between the two if they want. So there is a sort of prompting that there is a decision-making capacity for people to choose the right medical treatments in order to keep them alive but once they are being treated, they do, do not have a choice on whether or not they go against the treatment since they are currently being medically treated. Otherwise, it's physician-assisted suicide. So you may choose to not be medically treated, which would kill you, but once you're be being medically treated, you are now not able to choose against the medical treatment because that would be suicide. It would be determined fatal. So then it's a question of legality is what is afforded to the patient within their decision-making capacity that if a decision is made prior to treatment, it could be fatal. But if the patient decides after the, tr the treatment has been consented to, at that point, you cannot make a fatal decision. So then it becomes a, a matter of do you know better? Does your sense of conditioning towards your own health give you the tools necessary to keep yourself alive. So you could essentially choose death through ignorance, more or less. Or you could choose not to be treated and so too willingly go into the dark night. Although, for those that choose within the direction of getting treatment in order to live, to make a decision once the healthcare treatment is failing and you're meeting your demise, once it is determined that you are going down, would the patient then have a decision to, to keep trying to stay alive or to just let go? 
and of course this would be circumstantial. Once a directive towards life is chosen, with knowledge of it being good for the patient, once it goes bad with the knowledge of it going bad, the patient now is not afforded the choice because the directive has gone in the direction of treatment. So I think that dividing line needs to be worked out, but what would be the le legitimacy of active euthanasia? The arguments for this is that it's cruel and inhumane to refuse the plea of a terminally ill patient for his or her life to be mercifully ended in order to avoid suffering or future indignities. The patient wants out. They think that the benefit of going out now would be a lot more humane and merciful, with a lot more dignity than waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting until it finally does to undergo all that cruelty and suffering. If you can call it cruel to keep people alive, but in the sense of the patient, maybe they think that. There is also a, a need for an individual choice to be respected as long as it doesn't result in the harm. So there's very harmful ways, I guess, to end people, but there's also ways in which you can euthanize people that are completely painless. So in order to respe respect this decision, it should be done in light of how much harm is being done to the patient to keep them alive and how much harm would it be to kill them. On the other side of this, the pushback would be killing of an innocent person is wrong and that it's incompatible with the professional responsibilities of the physicians or those taking care of the patient. Any acceptance of this euthanasia would lead to a social consequence, a debt a detrimental active ingredient in the disrespect and lessening of respect for human life. So what would be that degradation that maybe there's a suggestion that there's a lot of doom or that the odds are against you and suicide is your option. And at that point there is an option and, and you know it's within your knowledge and power to say, okay, I'm just going to end it here for whatever reasons. It could even be like, I don't have anyone around. I don't really care. Let's just get it over with while, while we're at it. I don't want to be here for another five months, you say, or I don't want to keep my, my family in this state of, of grief. I just want to do it now rather than in three months to have them watch me here unable to speak. I don't want the bills to rack up. I don't want this burden. I don't want what, whatever it is, but it could just be maybe there is a chance. Maybe there's a chance for you to live, or maybe the odds are so very wide that you don't believe you can live. So I'm just going to stop now. Probably shouldn't allow for a lack of hope across people's mind and for them to make decisions on whether or not they go on based on their lack of hope or the suggestibility of a doctor to just kill people just because they can or because they don't like the person or they're making judgments because the doctors know sometimes more about you than you know about yourself. There is this to be kept in mind. For some people, suicide is a moral condemnation, but for a more secular directive on whether or not suicide is permissible, that there is a need for some people to want to have self-autonomy concerning their own life and that if something is beyond their own capacity to deal with it or to want to deal with it that they should have the free will to now that is distinct from the imminent doom and pain that goes along with certain medical conditions so there is a, a difference between the two but they also make the uh, claim that when people are suicidal the intention is necessarily irrational and is based on symptoms of mental illness or incompetence the inability to actually make a solid choice on your life so therefore wouldn't be a rational decision and therefore should not be given to the agent whose whose life uh, they are con they they aren't concerned with anymore so moral legit legitimacy for physician-assisted suicides would be to tell whether or not this is a rational decision and what the dividing line would be concerning whether or not the patient is acting out of solid rationality versus their own feelings. 
course, then again, there is a reason that the patient wants to go. Although, what is the reason based on feelings and pain and the acquisition of waiting there till you die and that each day is going to be relatively the same and that you don't want them? So there is an element of desiring one outcome or another, and yet there is this reason for wanting to do so. So to say that someone is better off dead, well, someone with depression, with really bad depression, currently might be better off dead because they feel so bad there's no life and health within you, but that does not mean that it's a rational choice and that this can't change we're morally obligated to heal life and to choose life rather than to choose death for people, especially when they don't have the capacity to choose for themselves. Furthermore, there is an intentionality between the patient who wants to die on the hospital bed versus being mentally ill. The former has the capacity to competently address their, their situation and legitimately inform why they feel like they would be much better off if this happened now versus it happening inevitably down the line. Now, voluntary active euthanasia is when the physician or doctor or whoever is taking care of the patient ultimately will kill the patient whenever they feel is necessary. And a physician-assisted suicide is that the physician aids in the patient's killing of themselves. So there is a discrepancy there. It's a controversial issue whether the difference in terms of the causal agency can serve as a claim for a morally significant difference between the physician-assisted suicide and the active euthanasia. So in the face of killing oneself and having the power to do so, if you physically do it, there is a different sort of power in the attempt at your own life, whether it's through your own hands or through someone else's. There is something called the organ model, where a physician is able to write a prescription of a, le of a lethal dose to a patient who is consenting to the dose, and that there needs to be a lot of criteria fulfilled. There's an oral request to have this lethal dose administered to the patient with their own consent verbally, and then 15 days must pass before a written consent must be written out in front of two witnesses that read it, sign it as well. There's also an attending physician that will inform of the diagnosis, prognosis, any alternatives, and inform of all of the future actions involving their care as soon as the dose is administered. And there will also be a consulting between physician and psychologist to certify whether or not this patient is indeed capable of their own decision-making capacity and is not informed by an irrational mode of thinking through depression or other means. It is also that a patient's judgment might be impaired by, by outside influences or by medications and that the physician must determine whether or not those will have an influence on their decision-making power. Within the six-year span of 1998 and 2004, there was a total of 208 organ residents that used physician-assisted suicide. The Bush administration contended against the uh, physicians of Oregon who prescribe lethal drugs for the purpose of assisting in the suicide of their patients that they are in violation of the Controlled Substances Act, but the court rejected this claim and upheld the Oregon law. There is a sort of sense that goes along with the interpretation of what it means to let die and to kill. There is a sense of projection of self onto the rest of the world when the rest of the world is meant to uphold their own independent causal dynamics behind what they conflate to as killing and what they conflate to as letting die. There is a conceit that there is an ultimate control of nature going on when there is an allowance of someone take their own life or you take their life for them upon their consent. There's a sort of stoppage and there's a need to find out 
whether it's more evil to let the life end or to have the life end than to keep the life alive. So there's a conceit to conflate human control with what is necessary in nature. And within nature, there is no human control on death. Death is inevitable. And without these mechanisms of control that have been birthed through technology or through an artificiality of our own utilization of getting physical processes to do things that counteract mechanisms that control death through the knowledge of the body, we have gained power to control the limitations of the body. But inherently there is a stubborn finality of there's no human human control available for death in the end. So to accept that human action should override ride nature in that we give cures to things. When nature wants death, we choose life. But when life chooses death, we choose life again. So what amount of self-actualization would it take to let someone kill themselves and to assist in that, or to let someone accept life when they are dying, even though nature itself is taking over? What does it mean to, to view human control in general when there is a natural inclination that without the mechanisms of control, we live and die by the whims of nature. And on this view, we either control to stay alive or we're controlling to die. Actions of external nature, like a disease killing somebody or in the process of killing somebody, sometimes all you could do is stand there and watch them die. Stand there and just let nature take its course. You're letting someone be killed by something or you're letting someone die. But that doesn't mean that the physical ca uh, causality of letting someone die has to be morally culpable, possibly as a parallel in the same way that nature is taking over in time and there's nothing you can do and you're sort of letting them die because there's nothing you can do. And in the same way, well, if in the knowledge of knowing I'm going to die, I'm, I'm letting you die. And now that you want to commit suicide now because the circumstances say, yes, I want to, maybe because I'm in an insufferable amount of pain and I, and I let you, I'm just letting you die now. And it would be better than just simply letting you die when you do because you will gets a little more hairy in its uh, moral culpability, discovering that the moral question is whether we are obliged to continue treating life that's being artificially sustained when there is a physical cause of death that is an underlying disease rather than the cause of someone choosing not to sustain what has been going on. So there is a secondary cause to the decline of the individual, but there is an, another condition to the death of the individual and that underlying cause is the disease. So that which causes the death is something aside from what the cause of this the mechanism keeping the person alive from being sustained. So with moral culpability, I guess it's it's beyond it's whether or not this harms the patient, whether or not the patient consents. Bringing on the validity of allowing one to die and killing someone and having these distinctions be met by a solid ethical framework of understanding will reinvigorate that diseases as a cause of death are among the reasons and care of the dying. I wanted to focus on the active aspect of euthanasia and patient-assistant suicide. Now, the withholding of nutrients, the withholding of hydration, these forms of sustaining life can be actively withdrawn with the consent of the patient. 
this is a permissible passive euthanasia or passive form of the patient engaging in their own healthcare decisions. And of course, the best way to, to deal with all of this stuff is advanced directives. The patient knows exactly what it is that is going on with the treatment and what the outcomes can be. Now, would this kind of behavior, the allowance of an active patient-assisted suicide or actively allowing for euthanasia to occur, would there be an undercutting of the pressure to improve our curative system? We're just allowing the degradation of our current standards to take the lives of patients and that we allow the patients to take their lives? Would we be um, be more, more apt to minimize the suffering that goes on within and promote a more of an apathetic effort in, in dealing with the curation and promotion uh, against giving up on the disease. Of course, that is sort of like a uh, mood congruency that we go along with the fate that we see and we do not do anything about it. We instead, well, we're just going to let you go if you want to. And that attitude wouldn't drive forward the will to want to control the outcome in the other direction. And that maybe treating these, these urgent diseases would be undercut by a lack of urgency for research efforts to discover treatments. And that maybe a pessimistic sort of attitude in the abandonment of hope on certain diseases that there is an element of hope, but there's more of a probability factor within it that it would it would more be re reduced on the recovery rate just because the attitude is negative and that the availability of giving up is available. And there's, of course, the lookout for abuse because treatments sometimes expire over time where the insurance company would be willing to pay for an, an X amount of the treatment costs in which it would about to expire, the incentive would be for the doctor to insist on the the, the suicide. So it would be sort of a, a prompted suicide, that the option would be there, that they would prompt them to do this, and it would sort of curb the, the ability to recognize these abuses when there may be against the consent of the individual or that the individual has a potential to live. And it could also be about cutting off the treatment so that to cover up mistakes in diagnosis to avoid detection, or that maybe there's outside influences when a patient is wealthy and then there's an inheritance that's at stake. There may also be a pressure on the, the family that might be unethical against the patient to put pressure on them to end it early in order to get them to cut the cost down of the care to relieve them financially or even socially or emotionally. Is that correct thing to do? that a correct thing to enable families to want to do this, to provide them with this uh, avenue. And we should also know that there's extraneous factors concerning patients that have had high rates of depression, even though undiagnosed, thoughts of suicide, maybe a history of alcoholism or marital discord or other issues going, going on, not limited to just drug addictions or other medications as well, influencing the patient's ability to decide for themselves. And what about the outside nature and internal world uh, sense of control that us humans have on whether or not we live when we're supposed to die and die when we're supposed to live and when our time is? And there's also this whole element of control that we're obsessed with around health, but also there's a danger of accepting this. When will we regard a society as, as being more sick when we're complacent about this stuff? 
when will there be absolutely no justifiable means in that we're doing a slippery slope towards a sort of getting rid of anything we don't want or assist them to dying because they won't mind or we're getting rid of all the unproductive people these undesirable political enemies you know burdensome individuals you know genetics that aren't well or a certain kind of person that is deemed unworthy for what whatever metric or whatever the appearance may be there could be a racial influence among some practitioners there is a sort of nazi-esque influence that may occur i'm just going to stop right there i hope that was insightful i hope there was points of view that you didn't really think about maybe you haven't thought about this topic before but i just thought i would lay out the the basic framework of ethics concerning allowing one to die or killing someone and the definitions surrounding patient assisted suicide i hope you enjoyed this i'll see you next time